Hello. Hello, and welcome back to So Weird is So Good. Capitalism and life in adulthood sucks, so it's been a while, but we're back, and we've seen some more episodes, and we've done some research, and we've learned things, and I'm really excited to be back. Oh, thank God. This is all I've wanted to do for like three weeks now. Woo! Today's episode is the messages from the future email episode, episode two. But before we get into that, uh, Chelsea and I have both been doing some research, and we're really excited about things we've learned. Yes. First things first. There's like one other podcast about So Weird in Existence. Uh, it wrapped up a few years ago, but they did so much incredible research. In the, in the grand scheme of things, and like the group project that is life, they did all the heavy lifting so that we can come here and just vibe. I have learned so much from them. Like, they actually got interviews with the producers and some of the actors. Wow. Yeah, no, they they did some incredible, incredible shit. But there's a couple things that I just feel like we have to talk about before we go into the rest of the series. Great. And they both have to do with what never actually made it to film. Ooh. So there were two plots, as far as I can tell, that ever got canceled. One is they were going to do a very special episode in which they address the fact that Molly is a recovering addict. Amazing. Right? And that, like, Carrie was going to come back from college and be like, Molly, I have this friend that's struggling with alcohol. But then the alcohol was going to be supernatural. And, like, you know what? Buffy had beer bad episode, so. Yes. It it was basically going to be that. But it is canon. Mackenzie Phillips is playing herself. Yeah. And I, I don't think any of the episodes we watched this weekend are really that explicit with the, the Molly's a recovering addict, but the subtext is there all the time, including, yes. including, including in the theme song, mm-hmm. the song in the light or in the darkness, whatever it's called. If you actually read the lyrics of the full version, not just the credits version, it's like all very thinly veiled 12 step stuff. And I, I don't know. It makes me happy. Absolutely. Well, I think in more in recent times, there's been a lot more discussion of representation in media. And like I have I was not aware of those conversations when I was little. But again, representation in media of something that is common. I mean, it's a disease and um, something that is very misunderstood and maligned and also like some of the people that I grew up with and grew up around had experienced some form of addiction and 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 those people were were like my godmothers and godfathers and and raised me and and raised me to be mindful and to be respectful and um and not in a punitive way, but in a way of respecting everybody's journey. And so, like, that's something that is super personal to me and something that I didn't, like, you know, another another situation with this series that I didn't quite realize that I needed then. And now I'm seeing it again and thinking, oh, my gosh, this was so good for me. Something I love about Molly and Mackenzie to a degree, I I have not done the full research on Mackenzie's Phillips life, although I know addiction was front and center. 
mm-hmm. and recovery from addiction and advocacy for recovery from addiction is the triumph. We've just been sitting here watching this show thinking Molly is an absolute wise, wonderful, giving, loving, competent human being. And now we know that that history is ex- it is explicit. Even if it never made it onto the Disney Channel, every writer in every scene knew that was her character. Like, I've listened yeah. to some of the interviews with the producers. They straight up forgot that that never made it to air. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, they, that is how certain they are whenever they talk about Molly. It's incredible. So the other thing I learned mm-hmm. that is, like, just the most hardcore thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. We all know that season three was a change. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that is because Disney Channel did decide that they were going to go bubblegum Disney and they were trying to figure out what to do with this TV show. So the the creators had a very, very dark season three planned out and it was going to be phenomenal. But Disney changed their angle and Cara Delizia decided to bounce to go do other things. So their original plan was going to be scrapped. But the original plan was Fee was going to go down into hell to rescue her father. Wow. Pair this with um, one of the creators, father, wrote the book, What Dreams May Come. Amazing. So for anyone who hasn't seen What Dreams May Come, I just watched it this month when I learned this information because what dreams may come was basically going to be season three wow uh rick's version of hell was going to be very very similar to what the hell in that movie slash book was wow i very if you haven't seen the movie i very much recommend it it's phenomenal and also even though it seemingly on the surface doesn't really fit in with the show that much just the tone and the spirit and the message is so integral into the ancestry of this show. Hmm. Okay, so now I'm going to combine these two things I've learned. Woohoo! Season three and uh, Molly's Addiction, the lyrics for the song In the Darkness. They are both the 12-step program and foreshadowing of the season three that never was. Wow, Okay. Demons come from every side, pulling me on a downward slide. Yeah. Addiction and or going to hell. Getting hot the deeper I go into the darkness down below. Wow. And th- but, then, but then it ends with this girl's walked on fire and ice, but I come out on the other side. Yeah. So both for Molly's addiction and Fee's adventures and trying to conquer the underworld and all that, it is victorious. It is hero's journey coming out the other side, winning. Well, and that's also interesting because I th- I think that a lot of times, whether we intend to or not, our paths and our experiences tend to mirror that of our parents or our ancestors. And so looking at looking at that and thinking about how, I don't know, just just thinking about that, like that shows me another, just another dimension of connectedness between Fiona and Molly. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And 
I think as the show goes on, it gets more and more explicit of if Fee is following her father's path, but I think she's doing it with Molly's sensibility. Yes. And we love that for her. Oh my gosh, it's great. Yeah, and I, ju- I just pulled up the lyrics to the song, and it's giving me chills. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. Like, okay, we should probably watch the music video that used to air on commercial breaks on Disney Channel at some point. Yes. It's great. It's so good. Uh, absolutely. So that's, that's what I've learned that I'm absolutely obsessed about before we continue with the rest of everything. Henry Wingler, apparently, like he was the main producer, but also the What Dreams May Come people were involved. Uh, but then I found out Henry Winkler was actually in the movie Holes. Holes has such a important part in my soul. And I know many millennials think that, but I have connections to it that are like not normal. So I'm just kind of noticing exactly how much I owe Henry Winkler, and I had no idea. I thought he belonged to Gen X, but no, he apparently belongs to us too. Yeah, and that was, like, I I think I've mentioned that um, this was a show that my mom and I could watch together, Mm -hmm. and as as we were watching, I was like, yeah, technology and spooky stuff and woo. And my mom was like, Henry Winkler. <laughs> and so, um, and, and so like sh- it, she kind of took that as, as a, as a moment to like educate me on, on his history. And, um, and so, and so we did a little, we, we did like a mini deep dive into, into his stuff. And I remember just feeling way more connected to this kind of what seemed like a like an awkward cousin of Disney Channel show. <laughs> yeah, it just made it feel so much more personal. I never even really figured out who Henry Blinkroller was until maybe I was like 16 or 17. But Mackenzie Phillips, I remember it would have been towards the end of So Weird's run, I think. She did an interview on Entertainment Tonight on uh, Channel 9, which was right after World News Tonight, which my parents watched every night. Uh, And then it rolled right into E.T. And I was like, okay, yes, this is for me because I am not sentient enough for world politics yet. And suddenly Molly's face was there. And I'm like, the fuck is my children's actor doing on the (laughs) grown-up news show? Uh, And she was giving an interview about her addiction. And that was how I first found out about Mackenzie's history. And I I have a vague memory of my mom... And I, my mom knowing about that interview and my mom and I watching that, I just remember kind of replaying all of the episodes in my mind and thinking about her character and thinking about the progression of the show and opening up about her challenges made me absolutely respect her more and made me just want to watch it again um, because of because of, the, of all the parallels that we've talked about. Yes, and see, I didn't have that much history with uh, addiction being really that close to me. Uh, I was still very much in the mindset of once you're addicted, it's just a downward spiral forever, uh, mm. with the exception of alcoholics that go to Alcoholics Anonymous because I had family that was successful in pulling themselves out with that program. Which mm-hmm. I have complicated feelings about because I know AA is flawed and I know it's some people it works for, but many people it don't, it doesn't. And I hope the people mm-hmm. it doesn't work for are able to find something that does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he- hearing Mackenzie Phillips on ET Tonight just going like, 
oh yeah, there was speed. And I clearly remember her like listing off the hard drugs. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I was just floored because I, I had no idea. And yet I was so used to seeing this face being Molly. And I could tell that whoever was interviewing her was respecting her for the fact that she pulled herself out. Like I had extended family members that I never met die before I got the chance to meet them because mm -hmm. of hard drug use. So uh, that was just kind of like a really surreal moment, which is echoing through time from childhood to adulthood and is still surreal and fascinating. Absolutely. And thinking about, from what I understand, being in recovery, a big part of it is building community and and having having people around you that are supporting you in the journey. And I see that so reflected in the show where where there is there there is this community that like everybody has their quirks and their flaws and they're open about them and they are right there to support each other when when the time comes. And I I feel like just I mean, my headcanon is that they had conversations about, you know, with the writers and the producers, they had conversations about what it is to be in recovery and how important community is in that in that process. And with that, uh, if you're okay with it, I think we're ready to start talking about episode two, because episode two, like you and I were just watching it and we're like, look at the community, look at the camaraderie. Everyone knows each other so well and trusts each other so well. Yes. Like, as far as the plot goes, I didn't really care about the plot. Like, the plot was kind of like, okay, that happened. It was a good, you know, episode of the week. No real continuity, no real, like, lasting impacts that much it was not one that really left me with an emotional connection like it's not an episode i've thought about in the back of my mind over the years but all of the little scenes in between where everyone's t interacting with each other it was just such a joy to watch yeah and i think i think also as i after watching it as i was kind of processing i was thinking about at that time like i'm looking at the this one chart that says original air date, it was in 1999. And so thinking about where everything was in terms of technology at that time, I mean, using multiple forms of technology that weren't really, weren't really accessible for like the average person. And yet was something that it kind of like, it was, I mean, it was ahead of its time. In, on many levels, we know that. But it really makes me think of Star Trek in the sense that there was technology that was on Star Trek that ended up, like, people created objects to reflect the technology in that show. And thinking about when I'm scrolling Facebook and, I, and, and a video pops up immediately, that is something that at the time when watching this episode originally it was like, oh, that's unthinkable. That could be something that's in my hand. And yet it was something that Fiona was just like, okay, what, what can I do with this tool? And how can I use this to like support the people around me? And I just think that's fabulous. Right. And so like, first of all, let's talk about the fact that she has Wi-Fi on a bus. In 1999, she absolutely the fuck did not. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, second of all, let's talk about the fact that her at best Windows 98 computer could download video and audio. The fuck it could not. I, I, my, my computer could not download video and audio effectively until whichever one I got in like 2004. <laughs> yeah. Like when iPods came out, I'm like, sure, that sounds nice. Maybe someday computers will actually be able to power those things. And like a year or two later, I got one that could power an iPod. And then my true life began. <laughs> um, but so, and this is kind of weird with technology, but even just the guy, the reporter who was trash talking Molly's performance, he had to stop and ask for directions to catch up with Molly. Yes. He, the reason he had to follow her to her next town to go apologize is because he didn't have her phone number. He didn't have her email. There was no way to communicate other than to get in a car, drive an hour or two, and say, hey, listen, I was a dick. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thinking about that, that moment in time and how it was such a turning point era in how we communicate, how we how we interact with the world. And for Fiona to be able to, again, use these tools to not just like interact with the world around her so that she's not isolated on the bus, but also to help others. A- and she's getting these secret messages. It's just, I don't even know what I'm saying, but I'm excited about it. Some like really strange theme that I don't know if it was explicit in the writer's room, but it jumps out to me with my 2022 eyes is safety just kind of seemed to be a huge recurring theme in the episode. And I think it might have been largely by accident. So first of all, Fee is opening a link that says click me in an email. Ah. And we're just both sitting there watching, like, no, no, don't click on something that says click me. That, honey, that is a virus. <laughs> like, that is a basic phishing attempt, except for phishing was brand new back in 1999. And I still, I still feel kind of similarly, like, when I'm working, when I'm talking to my family about technology and, like, helping them with various things, there's still this kind of supernatural belief around computers around technology and the internet and where it's like oh well why can't you just push one button and it will do all of these different things for you and i'm like no <laughs> that's not how that's that's literally not how this works and it's not magic and i think looking at the the intersection of that magical thinking which is totally developmental combined with the technology of the time made it i think even though even though for us it might now seem like oh you know it's a pretty tame episode all of those aspects like that intersection i think just made must have made this episode so exciting and so groundbreaking i had not thought about the groundbreaking thing but i think you're right yeah, I mean, this would have been the first time tons of kids saw the potential of what computers could do. Like, emailing a video? I mean, whether or not that video is from the future, that's pretty cool in 1999. Super cool. Uh, 
So, uh, going back to my safety thing. Uh, so the whole point mm. of the episode is there was going to be a deadly car crash and um, Ghost from the Future, who was probably Fee's dad, decided to save a life and go through supernatural elements to do it. So it was all about the safety of the guy who was not carrying flares in his car. So safety first, my friend. They were in a, a bus and... Everyone's just walking around the bus while it's in motion and there's no seatbelts. I remember being horrified. Yeah. I mean, as as a, I mean, then undiagnosed neurodivergent person and very, very strict adherence to rules being like a main character trait for me. Horrific. Like what, what is, what are the adults doing? Why are the kids not? having seatbelts like what this is this this is irresponsible yeah just the outrage i mean there were there were several times when safety was mentioned or like a lack of it was demonstrated and i think about like when jack was hanging out the window and and filming filming out the window of the bus mm-hmm. and it's like right before the the accident is supposed to happen and i wonder because they don't use the video clip. They don't show the gory details of like what happened after the bus crash. But we use our imaginations and we have plenty of material there that we can that we can come up with the possibilities for that disaster. I think even as a kid, uh, I was terrified of car accidents. Like I I heard enough statistics of like people dying car crashes all the time. Uh, so that was just a little sub process going through my mind all the time. And yes. And now as an adult, I've been in so many car crashes that were not my fault and I was powerless to prevent. Yeah. Driving's terrifying. Yeah. And I think for the production, I mean, first of all, filming a car crash is expensive as hell. Second of mm-hmm. all, kids don't need to see the car crash. No, nope. honestly, Lots of times you don't need to see the gory car crash. And as uh, filming and special effects and CGI has gotten cheaper, it's just there's been such a proliferation of gory details. And it's kind of really nice to go back and watch something from the 90s where there's no need. The story gets told perfectly anyways. Absolutely. So, yeah, beyond like, okay, there was going to be a car crash. The car crash got stopped. I love how benevolent everyone is. Even the newspaper reporter that was trashing Molly, even he was like, oh, I'm kind of an asshole. I'm going to go and apologize for being an asshole. That's so sweet. That's so loving. Uh, Even though Fee was looking crazy and she ran to the front of the bus to grab the steering wheel and Ned's like, the fuck you doing, kid? You don't have a driver's license. Molly took the time out afterwards to say, you saved that guy's life. I don't know why you knew what to do, but I'm glad you did. And he's going to have the rest of his life to experience because of what you did. The super, Again, uh, as with every episode of season one until the finale, uh, the supernatural elements are benevolent, either asking for help, offering help, or neutral. And this one was offering help. And all the... Re- Wait, we, we were just watching this episode and we were watching all of the characters play off each other. Just so much love and Mm -hmm. trust and rapport. Yeah. I got warm fuzzies. 
Oh, me too. Just Definitely. So much warm fuzzies. This is wonderful. Well, and I think also there was a mention of with the with the audio clip that you know, Molly said you you're such a big jerk. And Jack makes mention of like is this Sesame Street? Are you kidding me? And and it and so it it leads me to think that there's which of course there is. There there's harsher language that that these kids are experiencing, of course, because that's the world. But again, they, it doesn't need to be present in the show for it to exist in the universe. And I think that that is really, really valuable um, because it's it's just another way to give a little peek into the adult world for kids that's safe. Yeah. And I mean, the whole crux of the conflict is Molly and this reporter are having an adult conflict that goes back years. We have no idea what the background is. Like, they clearly have a history. It's a weird history. It's both adult and juvenile enough that the guy decided to show up and be like, hey, sorry, I was juvenile. Mm-hmm. And that that's life. Yeah. And it's honest. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's all I have to say about uh, episode two. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts, gushes? I don't think so. I, I mean, really just all the warm fuzzies, all the technology throwbacks and throw forwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think, I don't know, just... I mean, I could repeat everything that we've just said because it's just all the feels. So in conclusion, so weird is so good. So good. <laughs>